Colossians chapter 3, and we're looking at family matters. And we've talked about wives and husbands and about love. But uh, I noticed we talked about, we've talked about wives submit yourselves to your own husbands, and we talked about the whole philosophy behind that. And then husbands, love your wives. But uh, we noticed that uh, with that, that uh, the next, uh, that the husband is the head of the house. And with that, notice how that we go from husbands, love your wives and be not bitter. So there's an attitude. We're going to look at that this morning. We're going to look at the, the attitudes of a husband and father. We're going to look at the actions of a husband and father. And we're going to look at the awareness of a husband and father. If he's the head of the house, then um, he's got to realize some things. I like what someone said. Um, uh, he said, uh, keep your heart with all diligence for out of, the issue, out of it are the issues of life. Well, he kind of said, you know, if that's the case, and if the wife is the heart of the home, then uh, you want to keep your wife with all diligence for out of her are the issues of life. After all, she issues forth the children. She's the one who's going to be around them the most and they'll have the most influence. So you want to make sure that you have the most influence on her in a godly manner. And that's one of the big failings today, as we've said, of husbands and fathers is not taking their God-given responsibility to lead the home. And as a result, we see people like, uh, well, we see a lot of women taking over the church. We see a lot of the most popular women, or one of the most popular, I think there's a big three, Kenneth Copeland, oh, I forget the other two, uh, Benny Hinn and Joyce Meyer. And they're, they just make all kinds of money. But, uh, uh, they, but uh, at the same time, they... They are very soft on sin. They're very soft. In fact, Joyce Meyer's in trouble right now. She's got, she said this past week that uh, we shouldn't feel guilty for sin. Well, um, what does the Bible say the Holy Spirit sins to, brings to convict us and to comfort us? Yes, there is that paradox there. We want the comfort of salvation, but uh, we also have to have that conviction of sin. I want the sin, the conviction to be in the background. In other words, that God convicts me and I, before I get to it, rather than, I mean, he leads me by, by my radar, by the spiritual radar he sets off, he warns and, and so forth. And, and I'd rather have a little slap on the shoulder to told her, get, get back in line than a big old, a big old uh, hit where God has to yank me back in line. And so, yes, there's that, uh, but I want to be very sensitive to sin so that God doesn't have to use a, a scalpel on me. And I'd rather have a little bit of salve on me as far as a, a scrapes and bruises rather than deep hemorrhages. And so there again, we see that, uh, yes, there, there needs to be that conviction of sin, but I want it to be uh, a guide. I want it to be a warning rather than the main thing in my life where God has to really take me to the woodshed. And nobody likes to be in the woodshed every day, right? So there again, I want that comfort. I want that guide. I want that confidence in the Lord. And so we see then that uh, husbands love your wives. Now, let's turn, if you turn back to Deuteronomy, and of course, well, let's go, let's just look at these verses and now we'll go back to Deuteronomy 6. Notice how he, children obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord, okay? 
We'll talk about that um, as we process uh, this passage. But he says, fathers. So here you have husbands and fathers. So you have two titles for one man. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. So we notice two attitudes, one toward the wife. Don't be bitter toward her. Toward the children, don't provoke them. Now remember the people, we said that uh, the church doesn't live in a vacuum. Colossae was uh, where a church started and it was a, it was a Greek influenced city. It had the temple up topside, the men and the, the Hebrew as well as the Gentiles. Man was dominant uh, with the uh, Hebrews. All, all you had to do is say, I divorced thee, I divorced thee, I divorced thee three times and the woman's out. I mean, that's how bad it got in New Testament times. With the Greek, he could have all kinds of uh, temple relations and whatever, but his wife, he could divorce her on the whim of her looking at another man. So you can see how difficult it would be for women to live. And notice how that Paul comes toward this. First, don't be bitter, be bitter toward your, woman, your wife. Don't be overbearing. Don't find all kinds of faults with her. You've got to love your wife. And then you see that he says to us, don't, don't provoke your children. So as a good old macho man who, if he was a slave owner or if he was, uh, I mean, man things. So he dominated his wife and he dominated his children. And God says, that's unscriptural. That's not the, what we're talking about. So, but then let's turn back over to what the Lord told the Old Testament um, Hebrew. And of course, uh, that is the great passage the, uh, in chapter 6, verse 4 of Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, uh, our God, uh, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words I command you today shall be your, in your heart. You shall teach them to your children diligently and shall talk of them when you sit down at your, uh, in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, when you bide them. And as a sign on your hand, you shall, the frontlets of your eyes, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on the gates of your city, all these different things. God says here that uh, we are to love our God. And he's talking to men basically here with the women following. But uh, men, love your God with all your heart. Love your wife, love your God with all your heart. Love your children. But then he, uh, over here, back in Deuteronomy, he says, teach your children to love the Lord. Now, how do you teach someone to love? And then in the New Testament, we see that, uh, that the wives in the church are, and the older women, and that could be a 24-year-old teaching a 14-year-old or whatever, or a 10-year, whatever, the older person spiritually, um, it says, teach your wives teach the older women teach the younger women how to love their husbands it's kind of interesting how do you teach love how do you teach it and of course he gives an illustration here you talk about it all the time you talk about the lord when you sit down when you rise up there's always kind of a, a christ-centered discussion going on uh something where we look at uh, the challenges of life and uh, we look at it through 
God's eyes. And so we're trying to bring those things back. What I tried to do, and I was, and uh, I say this, and I would go back and I, boy, I wish I could do it over again. But uh, even in talking about history, and my kids really got interested in history and all that because of some of the things I would bring up because I loved history. But I would always try to inject providence and in how that God changed things or how that God was always there. So uh, talk about uh, buying a car, well, you know, or whatever. Uh, those are things where we talk about it all the time. Uh, what's the Lord's will? And not just in pious platitudes, but really trying to uh, get into the word um, in a, well, I guess what now they call a biblical worldview and trying to establish that. But then, but if I don't show the, my children the love of God, then how will they, if I don't exemplify it, if I'm not an example, then how do they learn? How do they learn what love is if I don't love my wife? I mean, it all begins with the man. It all begins now, unfortunately, we see throughout church history, women have been <laughs> very much more involved in church than men. It's the men that think it's the women's work, whatever. No, God, God starts off with the men. And so we see that husbands uh, love your wives. Twice we see you turn back. So first of all, we see the attitude in Colossians, fathers and husbands, You've got to learn how to love your wives. You've got to learn how to make your children, or make your children. You've got to learn how to teach your children how to love the Lord and not provoke them. You've got to teach them in such a way that they don't raise up and hate God because of all the strict rules you put on them and all the things that you told them that uh, if they don't do, God's not going to love you and all this kind of stuff. By the way, that's unscriptural. Uh, Jesus loves me when I'm bad, though it makes him very sad, but it, it doesn't mean that he doesn't love me. And so don't t tell people that God won't love you if you do this. No, he'll love you, but he'll have a way of taking care of it too. So God always loves us. It's an everlasting love. And so we see that, um, that fathers have two responsibilities. They've got to teach love by example, and they've got to learn the attitude of that love in the home, they got to set forth. And one of the ways of assisting that um, is Bible verses. I like uh, um, many, I go into homes and I'll see Bible verses up on the wall and stuff. That, that takes, a, that's a very important way of uh, teaching. Just, uh, you say, well, that's so subtle. They don't go by and touch it and or whatever. No, but you got the atmosphere and there's a constant reminder in the home. And so, uh, and then books. And then of course, today, we, the biggest problem we have is entertainment. And it's so easy to get off into all kinds of bad stuff rather than constantly having uh, things that remind us of the Lord in the home and music and so forth. So we see that um, those are the things that they, the husband is the one who, um, who sets up the atmosphere, but the woman, but the wife in the family really is the one who is the one who is, is, is the one who is, is the atmosphere. She's the one, the mama, you know, isn't it interesting? Those uh, big old 300 pound linemen, you'll see them on television, especially college. And whenever they see that they're on the television, they don't say, hey dad, who do they say? Hey ma, you know, and here they are, you know, big old behemoths and hey mom. And she's a little, old, you know, doesn't weigh a third of what they weigh. And so, uh, and so, but that's the heart. It's the heart of the home.
And so we see that there's a love atmosphere that a man must provide. He's a provider. But the wife is really the one who sets the atmosphere, So the, husband, the mother. And so, of course, we're talking with uh, broken homes and everything else today. And I came from one, so I know a little bit about that. I praise the Lord that, uh, that God taught me along the way. And that's why I'd like to go back and do it all over again now that I've learned a lot of things about setting up a Christian home. Uh, I wish I, there's so many things I'd like to go back and do over again, but isn't that true in life? I mean, everything, and how many times do I hear, Pastor, if I just learned this 10 years ago? Well, same way, here I am, you know, a little older now, and I'd like to go back many years ago and start all over again. But then again, I don't want to go through all those trials again either. You know, it's one of those those things. But so we see the the attitude of the husband toward the things of God are very important. He's not perfect. But notice he says that, uh, that he submit, submit to your, or husbands, love your wives and be not bitter toward them. So, and then with that passage, well, of course, we know if you go back to Ephesians chapter 5, and that's just a couple of chapter, couple of books back, you have that great, the one that's preached on the most, Ephesians chapter 5, and it talks about husbands and wives. And uh, notice, of course, he starts off with being filled with the Spirit and submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Now, that was a man's world. If Ephesus was a man's world, he's talking to the men, realizing that the women are there too. But men are to be singing and making melody in, to the Lord. And so they're setting up and they're providing an atmosphere for the woman to come in and really fill the void. And so we see, uh, we saw back in verse uh, 17, be not unwise. And then we said that could be very foolish or stupid. Don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And so, and he goes and talks about that. And he talks about in verse 22, wives submit to know. Paul always starts off with the, the, the lesser and to the one in charge. What I mean is uh, not the inferior, because the wife is definitely not inferior, but the one who is to follow is, but then he goes to the lead. And notice he did with that with children. The children are to obey, but the father is to lead. And so, we, and we'll see that with servants and masters also. But to, we notice now, he says uh, in verse um, 25, Husbands, love your wives, and there is the example, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. And by the way, and we'll get into this later, but I, maybe I don't want to get off on rabbit trails, but I've been studying a lot about uh, the queen of heaven is not Mary. It's the gods like goddesses like Diana and others. And the mother church Mary is not the mother of the church. She's not the mother of God. She's the mother of the Lamb. She's the mother of Jesus. But she's not the mother of God. She's not equal with God. And, uh, but boy, okay, let's get off that. But uh, there again, we're getting into the Lent season. And I'm hearing a lot of this type of stuff, and people are all over the place on that. But he says that, he notice what he says, What's the responsibility that Christ loved the church that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word 
that he might present her to himself a glorious church. You know, whoa, you mean you're to present your wife? Yeah, you're to provide for her in such a way that she can blossom spiritually. You're to provide for her in such a way that you provide a clean atmosphere. That's why, you know, we talk about men should not be cursing around women. They should not be using all this foul language and all the rest. There used to be a respect there. And it should start in the home. I hope my kids, there was one time that we were listening to a tape. Uh, it was a history book. But they got off into some things that my daughter was listening and I'm going, oh no, you know, it's one of those things. I didn't want her to be around that kind of talk. Although I know, well, pastor, she's always, you know, you go to school. Yeah, I know that. But that's not what I want in the home. You know, so I want that to be a haven. I want the church to be a haven. I want women to come to church here and feel like, my, this is the place where God can really use me and I can blossom. And, uh, so as men, we must provide the atmosphere for that woman. Well, you say, well, that's the, the, you know, the, the place of a woman is in the kitchen. No, you read Proverbs 31 and you'll see, no, she's all over the place. She's even out in the marketplace selling things. And so uh, there again, a woman isn't barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen, cooking all the time, three meals a day and washing dishes. And, and that's all she does. And then she's supposed to be bright and happy for her husband to come home and all that kind of garbage. No. Um, no, it's, it's a, the man is responsible for providing that place. And providing a place where, she's, where she is a spiritually clean place, a spiritually um, abundant place where she can go, and, uh, and so forth. The one thing I really love, because my wife has the gift of piano playing, and I dreamed of it as a kid because I didn't come from a Christian home, but I, I told you about uh, going by a missionary's house and they were playing the piano. I said, man, I wish I had that in my house. I got it all the time. I got a 24-7 you know, piano player. Well, you know, God blessed me with that. Now, not every man, man has that, but you can turn on the radio, you know, or, or you have some good tapes or whatever. But... Uh, that's a blessing. The only thing bad was my kids were almost grown before I bought her a really good piano. Uh, we, she always had a clunker. I wish we would have had a whole lot better piano. But at the same time, those are things you'd like to go back and change over again. But, um, but providing for your wife so that she can go forward. And this is the one thing uh, that uh, I know that I'm talking right now to a lot of ladies. And uh, so we're looking at this. Uh, no, so, but I want you to, as looking at men, how do we gauge men? Husbands, love your wives. And so he goes on and he says that he may present it. So, you know, you're responsible for uh, the women around you as far as uh, that, what are you going to present to the Lord? You know, what kind of family are you going to say, Lord, my kids are here because we tried to serve you. You know, what are we going to do with presenting our, well, you know, my wife. Now, I can't go too deeply in that because I'm not going to be able to go up there and people get off on all kinds of tangents. Well, it's all his responsibility. No, she's got responsibilities too. And then again, we're equal and she won't be standing by the, uh, she won't be standing before the throne of grace uh, beside me. No, she'll have to be up there and take responsibility for how she responded to the actions in life. But uh, 
Notice he says, so notice in verse 28, so husbands ought to love their wives, their own wives. No, I like that again. Wives, last week I made a mistake. I I looked back over my, um, the tape and I kept saying, wives, love your husbands. No, it says obey your husbands or or to, uh, to submit to your husbands. And, I, but, and I, I contradict myself because I said the Bible never directly tells a woman to love her wife, uh, a woman to love her husband. But then I turned it around and I kept saying love rather than submit. So, but it does teach a woman how to love, to uh, other women how to teach their women to love their husbands. We'll see that in First Peter in just a moment. But um, notice that here's a principle here though to, that really made me understand so some things. So husbands ought to love their own wives, nobody else, just their own wives as a woman, just to love their own husband, as their own bodies, um, that will pre- present, prevent narcissism. Everything's for me. No, uh, I'm to be giving. Why do we have narcissism today? Because we have weak men not doing what God tells them to do. Yeah, we got narcissistic women, you know, we realize that, but it starts with the man. But he says, he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes, cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. Now, that's why I like what uh, Dr. Walt Fremont had really taught me so many things about marriage before I ever got married, just in listening to some of his marriage seminars. But he said, well, girls, don't, don't marry a guy is always down on himself. Because if he doesn't at least have an ego, then he's not going to love you. And you and by you pouring your life into him, you will he you will he will lean on you, but you won't respect him. And so you've got to have a leader. You've got to have someone who's at least confident enough in himself that he can go forward on his own. He does, uh, someone said that uh, a college education is a four-year vacation between a guy's mother and his wife. Well, no, you didn't marry your mother. No, she's not going to nurture you. And so as a man, you got to learn how to stand on your own and learn how to lead and how to treat. And men, good men treat women right. They treat their wives right. And so, if there again, when you love your wife, it's a round robin type thing. If you love your wife, then she responds by loving you. And guess what? That makes you feel better. I'm the best looking guy in the world. My wife told me that years ago, and she doesn't lie. I don't care what anybody else thinks. As long as I, my wife thinks I'm the best looking guy in the world, that takes care of it. You know, uh, but then again, I've got to give her something to to love. <laughs> I got to give her something to respond to. And so again, we see that, uh, you know, if, so if a guy is a drunkard and he's always needing somebody to lean on or something, lean, always gonna, or if he's a, and I, I tell another trait there is watch how a guy treats his mother and his sisters and the women around him. Because if he, if he's always dependent on them, always coming home and stealing money out of the cookie jar or bumming money off his mother or whatever, then he's never going to really be much of a provider for you. If all he is is on his uh, smartphone all the time and 
all that kind of stuff, then you better be careful. Now, there again, my wife and I, we're going through that right now. But as far as I got to make sure that I put it off to the side and give her some time, but uh, we're working on that. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but uh, I'm not always perfect on that one, especially whenever something is big in the news. I got to figure out what's going on. But uh, we'll work on it. Uh, but um, there again, so here's the principle. Uh, it starts with the man. Love your wife and give yourself, yourself to her. As a result of that, as you're going to do it because Christ loved you because he loves the church. And he gave himself for it. And so here I'm always, and we say that we have these little terms like, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, and all these different terms. Well, who's going to make her happy? Her husband, mainly. And that's what we want to see now, of course. We get into, you get into all the counsel. I'm not throwing everything off the men because some women just refuse to be happy. So <laughs> we realize that, but there again, it all goes back to the backgrounds and, and the personalities and the chemistry. So I'm not giving you uh, just um, a two plus two because it is chemistry more than it is adding and subtracting. And so he says um, here, then the, Action is, husband, give yourself to your wife. I mean, make her the center of your, of your responsibility. Make her the heart of your life. And so in doing that, you give her something to respond to. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to have shortcomings. That doesn't mean that you're not going to be able to provide everything for her. Excuse me. That means, doesn't mean that uh, everything is going to go hunky-dory. No, those are things that have to be worked out. Now, with that passage, so we see that um, we're to, there's the attitude. Men, you're not to act like the Roman Caesar. Yes, you're the head of the home, but you're not, you're not and you might be the king of the castle, but uh, you've also, also, if that makes you, if you're the king, then you've got a lot of, of responsibility. If you're the despot, then you're the benevolent despot. You've got to make sure that you take care of those that charge that God has put put you put you with, and so we see then there's the attitude giving. Well, there's the action of really giving yourself to your wife and to your family, and then he goes into it with the children, and we won't take time for that because I want to look at a couple of other things. Turn with me over to First Peter chapter three, and those this as we see in Colossians we have attitude in. Ephesians 5, we have action. And then in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, we have awareness. In other words, you've got to be conscious of, of what this is all about. Now, someone has said, okay, the, Peter spends six verses. The first six verses, wives, be, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, um, that even those who do not obey the word, that they may, may without the word be one. So here, the woman who goes to church and her husband is not saved. He gives a whole lot of instruction to her about how to live in that cesarean household where you've got that guy who's just, uh, I mean, that's the atmosphere. I mean, you know, he's, you know, Mike makes right, and I'm the, I'm the head. And it was so brutal that in most cities, if a man had, if a woman had a baby, and the man didn't really like the baby. He could take it down to the uh, uh, town square and leave it there for whoever to pick up. 
And that's why that's one, that's another reason you had slaves from birth. I mean, that's how brutal it was. And you can imagine what that would do to a mother. And yet we see that uh, now the Lord is saying, husbands, love your wives. So God was coming into a situation where we're talking about countercultural. This was totally countercultural, even with the government. And so we see, but then he tells them how to dress so that they, that they do appeal to their own husbands, but not to other men and all the rest. But this, uh, and someone has said um, the first that uh, the Lord, that Peter talks to the women uh, six times more than he does men, six verses for the women and one for the men. So they need it more. No, <laughs> no, not that he, she, he has to deal with the women because they had such more difficult circumstances than the men did. But now notice what he says in verse seven. Husbands, likewise. Now notice, likewise. So, hey, you've got responsibilities. We've been talking to women for six verses. We've been saying about submissive and all this. But likewise, dwell with them with understanding or as the King James says, according to knowledge. That's the idea of awareness that you've married somebody different than you that uh, this person thinks differently than you do. They've got needs different than yours. And so you've got to be aware that you didn't marry your twin or your mother or anyone else. You married a, a distinct individual. And as a result of that, you will learn how to deal with them, with their strengths as well as their weaknesses. We're not to be better toward them because of their weaknesses. And he says, with understanding, giving honor to the wife. There it is. Giving, you raise her up. She's not just uh, a legal tool for you to have kids to pass your wealth on to. They, she is a very special person. She's the, she's the issuer of of um, issues, issues, issuer of life in your, in your house. She's the mother of your children. And so you treat her with understanding, giving honor to her. One of the things that I would tell my boys when they got up, you know, they started, they got big taller than them. But one of the big things, every one of my boys, for some reason, they wanted to get to the point where they could pick up their mother when they were about eight or nine. But then by the time they were, 10 or 11, they were already taller than she was. And boy, they liked to come in and stand up and all that. But when they started doing that, and they would start sassing her, don't you talk to my wife that way. Oh, okay, you know, that's my wife there you're talking to. And so I would not let my boys talk to my, or my, girl, my daughter, talk to my, I mean, they would get in much trouble as if they'd gone out and you know, done something. That's rebellion. And so uh, we took care of that. Now, was I always good at it? I wish I was perfect, but you know, I can look back and see. So I'm talking to people about perfection when I wasn't perfect. And so that's one of the most difficult things to do is talk about things. And you know, I, I like these preachers, they'll get older and they'll say, they'll, they'll, and I've seen several preachers and they've named their sermon, Things I Have Learned. And then they will go in and talk about all the great things they've done, but they won't tell you anything that they did bad. I'm going, whoa, wait a minute. I mean, I want to learn from some of your mistakes. You know, so uh, no, I made a lot of mistakes. And so, uh, but then giving honor to your wife as the weaker vessel. 
I don't care. I mean, very, very few women are going to be as strong as the men. Now, there are some that are, so we can't say there aren't. I like what, uh, with all this basketball going on and all these women's sports going on today, and I do think women should have women's sports and men should have men's sports and effeminate men should not be invading the women's sports because they're different. That the whole thing is silly. What's going on? I mean, you've got government officials now that are just downright stupid if they don't understand what's going on. Downright stupid to have an eighth grade boy go into a girl's bathroom or whatever. I mean, folks, we're living in a very, I hate the word stupid. I mean, I don't, don't, I, you know, that's a bad word to be using in public. I mean, all the time, but what else can you say? I mean, it, shock value, stupid. <laughs> and so we see um, the, she's the weaker vessel. My daughter was totally different than my three boys. And I loved it. When she got, the crazy thing about it, she played the piano. She went to college and she played on a, uh, some intramural girls basketball team and some, some girl hit, hit her leg and, um, and, and tore her knee up. And I said, sweetheart, you are a piano player, not a basketball player. And it cost me $7,000 to get that thing fixed or whatever. So we didn't have the good insurance and all that. But uh, in talking to the sports surgeon who did her knee, he was very well known. And uh, he said, you know, uh, I've dealt with girls. My daughter's 5'10", 10, 10 and a half, something like that. Um, he says, I've dealt with girls uh, years and up to 6'4", six, 6'6". Six, six. He says, I haven't met a girl yet that can dunk the basketball. Now, of course, I think there are probably some in the WNBA that probably can. I don't know. I've never seen one. You don't hear a lot about girls dunking the basketball as in the WNBA. But I imagine there might be a couple that might be able to do it. But if they are, they are totally different. But um, why? Because their legs are different. Just different. Uh, I won't get into all the anatomy of it, but they're just different. They, uh, my son-in-law, who married my daughter, was in the Marine Corps. They put those girls out there with the Marines out, and they give them 60-pound pounds. And guess what? All these girls now are on disability because of their hips and their knees. They weren't built for that. You know, so we see this over and over again. They're the weaker vessel. You can't get around it, no matter what Harvard says or what Joe Biden says, or Hillary Clinton, or even Donald Trump, you know, if they're wrong, they're wrong. And so we see that God says that they are the weaker vessel. And as far as vessel, we're talking, when God talks about the vessel, we're talking about what the spirit lives in. You know, we got a soul, but we live this old vessel. It's what he's talking about. We are, the woman is the weaker vessel. And that's a biblical fact. We look back and you've got male and female made him, made he them. That we are, um, what's the word? Uh, yes. But uh, there's, oh my, the, what they call this, uh, the term now, binary. That's the word I'm looking for. We are binary. The word binary means that there's two different, you know, you're two different sets. Well, you know, we're humans, but we're binary. <laughs> and anybody who says they're trans or whatever else is dysphoric. And that's a good word. I mean, they are mentally imbalanced. 
stupid or mentally imbalanced. Take your pick. And so we see that uh, we're giving, so we're to give honor to our wife as the weaker vessel, realizing that there are certain things they cannot do. Uh, and uh, so he says, the weaker vessel, as being heirs together. Now there's the human, there's the part. Yes, we are, we are Christians together, we are humans together, but we have two different roles, binary. But when it comes to heirs, then God is going to teach, going to treat me. He created me to be a male. And he gave me certain responsibilities. He created my wife to be a female. And he gave her certain responsibilities. And she's going to be so far ahead of me in heaven. I'm, I'm, I hope I see her. But, uh, you know, there again, uh, you know, we're different. And yet we have responsibilities. And why we can't... Why, why am I so frustrated with it this morning? We are totally off balance in this country. And it all starts in the home. And when we have homes like this, notice what we have as judges. Notice what we have as politicians. No, we got people, like we said, I, let's don't call them stupid. Let's just call them dysfunctional. They're fools rather than wise. Harvard, University of Pennsylvania, Penn. And they're teaching that... A, you know, what's that girl's name? Leah Thomas or whatever. And uh, she, can, she, can, she broke all the records. She, he broke all the records of women and they're letting them stand. I mean, we're talking about supposedly smart people and they're fools because they're going against the creation of God. And so here I'm trying to bring up uh, the whole idea. I'm trying to give you some biblical principles. Husbands, love your wives. But, the only way, but then you've got to teach your children how to love God. And one of the best ways for you to teach your children to love God is to love your wife and to provide a spiritual atmosphere for her because she's going to have a lot of influence on those kids. And so a provision. He gave himself. That's an action. And here's the awareness. She is different. She does have certain needs. There, she needs certain protections. You know, I still have problems with this. Did you lock the front door? I think so. Well, she'll be up there, you know, or whatever. It didn't bother me, you know. But uh, uh, all these things, because women are weaker, they need protection. And uh, I heard, was it Sylvester Stallone or something? He said he moved to a certain city. And... Uh, but he had a Navy SEAL come in and teach all three of his girls how to fight before he moved to that city. Well, you know, that was a pretty smart father. But, you know, again, uh, I'm not sure I'd want to date one of those girls, but, you know, <laughs> I don't think I'd want to date any girl that would, could whip me. But uh, there again, uh, you know, those are things that, uh, that we're living in. A, and that's why gun rights are so important. Because if anything in our country today that makes an equalizer is a woman with a gun. So I'm not against women carrying guns. In fact, uh, back a few years ago, um, we had a lady said, Pastor, you don't, you don't mind if I pack in the service, do you? And, well, she didn't use that term, but then she said, I do carry. And I said, great, I need some people. Uh, and that I, just don't tell me, and we won't know, but when anybody walks in here, I'd like to know that I have the protection and that our people have the protection. And boy, and she wasn't afraid to use it from her personality either. So, you know, fine. I mean, that's a great equalizer. 
in this day. But it's a shame that we're not protecting our women. It's a shame that our schools are not protecting our women. And we're teaching them the degradation things of, and we're teaching them uh, how, to, how to, we're teaching them promiscuity, we're t teaching them all kinds of things because we're not pro providing a holy atmosphere. And it begins with the men. It's kind of interesting. Uh, well, I won't get into, I better not get too far into trends. But uh, uh, you notice the men were weak in these Ivy League colleges. And all three of those women who couldn't tell you whether it was a man or a woman were presidents of Ivy League universities because the men were pushed aside and the women took over because you didn't have strong men. Well, wait a minute, you're talking, can a woman be? No, I don't have problems with a woman being a police officer, college president, anything. But at the same time, where are the men? Um, over about 60% of the seminaries, that's where they train preachers. Women are in the seminaries today. What's that gonna do to the churches in a generation? The men, they'd rather play their video games. So we see that we've got a problem with men. And so, again, we see there is the attitude. Men, you've got to learn how to love a woman with the right attitude, not lustfully or, I mean, you don't be bitter against them. Uh, you've, got to, you've got to action. You've got to show love. Now, here it is already time. So we've got to teach what love is. And that's what we'll look at next week. 1 Corinthians 13, love. What is love? Though I have the tongues of angels and have not love, it profits me nothing. Men, if you don't have love in a home, it profits you nothing. So we see that we got to teach what love is. And love is the fruit of the Spirit. Everything else falls under it. And so men, we need Spirit-filled men. And here I am talking to a bunch of ladies primarily, but at the same time, you know, I want to preach the word. And if it gets out and it changes somebody's life or whatever, you know, or at least gets somebody thinking, then that's what we want to see. Um, I got three boys and, um, you know, I, I think they've treated their wives acceptably. I've never had to coach them, uh, wives, so whatever. My daughter seems to be pretty happy. And the bad thing about it, now that I'm getting older, they can look back on me and see, and they'll talk about, and every once in a while they'll bring up something that I did wrong. Boy, that always makes me feel bad. But at the same time, you know, our day's coming. And I, I, told, I, told my, I told Jason yesterday, your day's coming. <laughs> because isn't that true? It's true with all of us. But, uh, oh, I wish I, could, I wish I knew what I, know, I knew back in the 80s or 70s was it. It was easier to be. Uh, it was easier to be in your twenties and the seventies, than your seventies and the twenties. But you know, at the same time, I wish I could have learned a lot of things in the seventies that would have helped me a whole lot more. But uh, this is. I mean, but the thing about it, the, the word of God is so high, rich, and powerful. You'll never learn it all. So here I'm. I'm still learning things. Learned something this past week. But isn't that the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God? And so we want to pass it on. Wives, teach your, or uh, older ladies, teach your, teach the younger ladies to love their husbands. That is, 
That's kind of an interesting verse, isn't it? Husbands or fathers, teach your children to love God. How do you teach love? So we'll look at that more next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, we pray that it'll change our lives because of what you do through it. We know it's rich and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. So Lord, we pray that you'll give us the discernment of the Holy Spirit through your word. Lord, build great families through this church. Build men who know how to love and women who know how to respond to men in the right way, both the wrong men and the right men, learning how to live in grace and in the fear of the Lord. Thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen.